I won't lie, Dan. I have no idea what that song was referencing. So that's Na 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 by Kanye West. So I've never been a big rap guy mm-hmm. or anything like this. And I, went, I was looking for inspiration as we entered today. And I was like, you know what, man? Let me pull up the hip-hop section for this. Let me see what's on there. And this was the first song that said Na Na Na. And I was like, all right, like, is this like, hey, 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 goodbye kind of mm-hmm. shit? Or, and it wasn't. And there's a Star Wars reference in this movie or in that song. Um, there's a couple. It's a really good song. So not on not Kanye West. This is an unfiltered hashtag ad plug for Kanye West and his new single. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, I'm not a big rap person, but it was actually a really good song. So what was it alluding to? Why, what, why did it speak to you for this so, week? So na 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 kind of gave me the idea here that there were a couple teams that maybe got a little overconfident with their matchups and na 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 okay. gypsy. Um, they got shut down a little bit. Jerry gets a point this coming week here. Stefan drops two. Um, Sam gets a point. Sam gets a point. This is it. Things get a little bit tighter. And just when you think you can run away with things, nah, nah, nah. It just doesn't happen that way. And Sam coming at the very last second, pulling out some some points here. Justice League has four teams that are super close with uh, with Stephen Chris still potentially having part of those things. Yep. Um, it, it's a fun week. I, I, I use fun every fucking week in this, this league, but – this shit's stressful, and I really don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, very much so. I mean, the first week of interleague games, and the Avengers went two and four. Yeah, it uh, did not disappoint. The Justice League kind of dominated the matchups um, outside of one, and the other one was a nail-biter. Yep. So um, we're on to another week, and this week had a lot of like action um, outside of the games. We had two trades go down. Um, we had some surprise news this morning with uh, – it's two a time. Two a. And, uh, um, yeah, and then we're going to do a buy or sell segment with a few players that um, have kind of come out of nowhere, and I'm curious to see how you feel about them, Dan. I do like buy or sell. Buy or sell is a fun thing for us. Yeah, hell, yeah, it is. God bless, pardon the interruption, or whoever first started this many years ago, I'm sure. It's a shame we just do it better than they do. Well, I could so only Barstool Sports, if you're hiring, I think Nick and I could both use careers that pay at least 80000 I'm in. Sign me up. Yes, please. Let's All right, do let, it. let's go through the first trade, and well, it's we're gonna start with you, you narcissistic yep. son of a bitch. Sorry, dude. Well, okay, so let's talk about the trade. Um, and Dan, you um received Alexander Mattinson and a 2021 fourth round draft pick that is owned by Sam, or that is Sam's pick, mm-hmm. and your old man received a 2021 second round pick. And a 2021 third round pick that are both years. So the net effect is your old man got a second and moved up, I don't know, anywhere, anywhere from like three to eight to spots. spots. Yep, yeah, six to nine. Six to nine spots um, in exchange for Alexander Mattinson. Um, I'll give my thoughts since this directly yeah, involves you, ahead. and then you can kind of chime in with what you were thinking. Um, for your old man, I think um, this move makes a lot of sense. He drafted Mattinson last year and. Um, you know, he, he definitely did his job as a backup. Um, there was probably a time this summer where Jerry thought he was maybe sitting on a pot of gold with a um, Delvin Cook holdout situation, um, with him potentially not being with the Vikings, all those rumors. Um, he signed a contract in August, so that kind of put a hamper, I think, on maybe what uh, Jerry thought Mattinson could be. Um so I think it makes sense that Jerry wanted to ship him out uh, with his team and where it's at. 
Um, Matt or Delvin Cook was obviously out this week, so Mattinson's value peaked a little bit more um, short term. Um, and you kind of stepped in. So for your old man, I think this trade makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know what the talks were with potential deals, but I think getting a second round pick and potentially moving up on a six to nine spots into the third round, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, for you, I'm a little confused when I saw this one. Um, I look at your team and I think you've got a great starting lineup, but you're kind of lacking some depth areas. Now you are weak at running back outside of, you know, his Lord and savior, Christian McCaffrey and his, um, and his, uh, deceitful Mike Davis. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you don't have running backs is a problem. Uh, you got some good wide receivers, but depth is kind of an issue. I mean, starting, you know, Cole Beasley, he's been solid, but Michael Gallup isn't great. Um, if you look at the other bench places, you got maybe like Philip Lindsay, um, maybe Julian Edelman, um, solid guys, Hayden Hurst, Gerald Everett. Okay. But I think you're kind of lacking bench areas or flex spots, maybe even. So I just feel like the assets used here maybe could have been better spent on as someone that could contribute more. Um, I could only assume that you're just high on Matson and you think that he, um, you know, maybe he'll get a job somewhere else. I mean, he is only in his second year, so it's going to be a little bit. But I think this trade was for the long run, and it, I don't know how much it's going to help you in the short run. Yeah, so here was my mindset behind okay. it that said, all right, here's the deal. I can't afford to lose interleague play. Okay. I need to I need to bail my shit out before anything bad happens. And no Dalvin Cook this week meant that I could go ahead and spend an asset to make sure that I had a fucking guy that's going to potentially have a juicy-ass matchup this week. Yep. Now, Alexander Madison also shit the bed. He did. Yep, which was fucking very scary. I ended up lucking out with a point this week, <laughs> um, which was great. Obviously, I probably should have started Philip Lindsay, which I'm going to luck out here, depending on – and I say luck out with the sites that please don't drink and drive, folks. Um, Melvin Gordon <laughs> made that mistake having wine with dinner and got pulled over for doing 25 over. Also, don't speed. Um, but this was a – this gives me an opportunity to win potentially this week and really secure what I wanted to be two points. Okay. Now, that didn't happen with this so I gave up a second round pick for a guy that got drafted in the was he was a third round he was the third round Jerry took him with the first pick in the third round so Jerry gets a little bit of an upside here with part of this Mm -hmm. and I give up anywhere between three spots if I'm one of the last couple teams Mm -hmm. to where Sam picks at potentially the worst third spot potentially to nine spots where I'm the first team out of the playoffs and Sam finishes third yep and this was kind of a I get an I get a long-haul pick here where Alexander Madison shows extreme signs of excitement, but this is not a win-now piece. And this I looked at as this gives me the ability to maybe steal one, possibly two weeks with a groin injury where for interleague play, and I solidify myself as saying I can make the playoffs until I bridge the gap to Christian McCaffrey with an Alexander Madison. That's kind of where my mental set was with part of this. I didn't – Madison for a second I get – it's a late second, which I'm anticipating at. Yep. I don't think I'm going to blow myself. I've still got my first where I can potentially make a little bit of moves, find some assets and resources, um, do it this way. I didn't think I was burning the bank. And if mm-hmm. I get lucky later on for year four, year five, depending on what happens, if Dalvin Cook happens to upon another issue, which we never hope unless I'm playing Nick with this, <laughs> um, which we're going to get to later on as I play him this week, 
Um, it was a shot that I was worth taking for a juicy matchup not to lose multiple points. It didn't pan out. I went one and one, um, but it was worth a shot for me. Eh, I guess when I hear that reasoning, I can respect going for it. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if there's much to add. Um, obviously, Mattinson did shit the bad. I don't think he's that bad, but I was also shocked to see how high everyone had him. Like, he was, I think, some places I saw he was, like, the second running back for the week. Yeah, Atlanta sucked. Atlanta does Atlanta suck. out of their ass. They did, but I don't know. Mattinson, I'm... I I, always, I love when people say, um, you know, Mattinson's Delvin Cook. He's a clone of Delvin Cook. You know, they're not going to miss a beat. Like, if Mattinson was a clone of Delvin Cook, they wouldn't have signed him to a contract, like, not even, like, 45 days ago. Yeah, correct. Delvin Cook thing. is still a stud. Don't get me... Or, Delvin Cook is a stud. Mattinson, I think, is fine, but I think people were a little bit quick to crown him here. I mean, it's the same thing with the Mike Davis. Christian McCaffrey, when I was on Mike Davis, yeah. comes down with the same kind of piece. Mike Davis is no Christian McCaffrey. No, absolutely like, not. what it comes he, down to. He's I, doing well, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but it, oh, it's, it puts a product to the offense. And I think yep. Dalvin Cook in, is the reason the offense is that good. And Alexander Madison fits in very well with that offense. Mm-hmm. He's not as explosive as Dalvin Cook, and I think I would be blasphemous to say that he is. But he's a guy that... Given the opportunity to succeed, he's going to take that opportunity and give you the best chance to put it forward. And and I'll take that upside on a week where I get a number one guy playing the shittiest team in the fucking league on defense. Fair enough. Hashtag Dallas Cowboys ad. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on um, for the next trade. And Jerry was wheeling and dealing this weekend. Uh, He he sent J.D. JD McKissick. And Stefan sent a 2022 fourth-round draft pick. You want to give your thoughts first on this one, Dan? Jerry shaves points off for peanuts on the shelves with it. It is what it is with some of those pieces. The Washington backfield is kind of a shit show. J.D. McKissick mm-hmm. has shown pretty good when Washington's down and catching balls out of the backfield. But outside of that, I still think this is Antonio Gibson's backfield with it. Stefan gets potentially a little bit of resources um, to strengthen the depth side to things. But you can't feel good about J.D. McKissick, and a fourth-rounder is a crapshoot. Um, I guess I don't feel one way or another about this trade. Yeah, I mean, for your old man, I think it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. because McKissick, I'm pretty sure he was picked off the waivers like not even a month ago. So he's shown some upside of late. Um, it definitely is Gibson's backfield long-term, but for whatever reason, um, McKissick's like role in the offense kind of stays the same. He's getting about little over 50% snap share. Um, the last three or four weeks, it's really just continued to progress in usage. Um, for Stefan, I think it's pretty clear why he made the move. Uh, Alvin Kamara's on a bye. You alluded to it with Melvin Gordon. Um, he was out last week. We'll see if he plays this week, which means with, um, let's see, Nick Chubb on IR, Leonard Fournette being out, Jordan Howard being washed, uh, Latavius Murray on a bye, Rex Hurt, Burkhead being Rex Burkhead. Stefan only has Ronald Jones, so he needs another running back. So I can't fault him for doing this. I think it, it's kind, it might be kind of a poor man's version of your trade with the logic for Mattinson. It's just for one week. So for a fourth round pick in two or two years, I guess I can understand that. Yeah. 
I, I don't fault him for trying to make the trade. You catch a lucky week, you, mm-hmm. you, you get him off of a bye to cover your ass, and you find yep. a team that's playing down and it's a lot of dump-off passes, you're in good shape. I, again, I don't fault either way. Jerry shapes points, which is something he needs to do to try and keep pace with Armand, which I don't think anybody's going to catch. But nope. it's now at this point in time, do I stay ahead of Sam? And if I'm not going to get Trevor Lawrence, the, the god of all saviors, Jesus Christ, um, do I end up with a Justin Fields potentially? Yeah, and I mean, also, it's not even ignore draft pick. McKissick isn't going to be a guy for Jerry when he is contending in yep. a year, two years more than likely. So uh, getting something for him, I think that's a win. Yep. All right. Well, let's go on to probably when I was doing the prep work for this pod on what we would talk about. Um, was kind of wondering what the next third topic would be. And Adam Schefter hooked us up. It's Tua Tagovailoa time in Miami. Um, Miami's on a bye this week, but when they come back next week and face, um, I don't know what team it's going to be, so uh, we're just going to look real second. quick. It's going to be the Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams at home. Uh, two is going to be under center. What were your initial thoughts when you heard that, Dan? Part of me thought it might have been a week or two too soon. So Because he's playing Aaron Donald? Because he's playing Aaron Donald, 100%. And I think this is the week where Ryan Fitzpatrick plays, they get him ready, because week 9 they play Arizona, week 10 they play the Chargers, week 11 they have the Denver Broncos. This is – Aaron Donald now plays Alex Smith, who came back off of a massive injury to his knee, and -hmm. now gets to a tug of Viola off of a massive injury to his knee – or hip, sorry, with that – but this is a guy that I, I don't know if I want to chance the future of my franchise against this one. Um, I mean, I I'm going to stop you there. I understand why they did it. Let me say that. Well, Go two ahead. things. Yep. I'm going to stop you there. Like, if you, them, the Dolphins, if anyone's still worried about Tua's injury because of, like, one player and, like, chancing it, like, the NFL is a rough sport. Any yep. player can suffer a career-ending injury on any play, but, like, if Tua was, like, that close to potentially getting re-injured, like, I don't know. I just think that's – I don't buy that argument. But but so so of the Rams, Cardinals, Chargers, and Broncos, the next four weeks, mm-hmm. which team do you think is the hardest team in that league? Um, I mean, say that once more, sorry. Rams, Cardinals, Chargers, Broncos. I mean, the hardest is probably the Rams. And that's, and that's who they have coming off of a bye. Keyword there, bye. Yep, oh, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. They didn't have preseason. I mean, now this has been like kind of a running rumor, and who knows? You can't really believe it. But apparently Tua has been, like, in practice dominating and, you know, really chomping at the bit, chomping at Fitzpatrick's heels, you know, to start. Um, we'll see if that's true in, you know, a little over a week from now. But I... I mean, with the bye coming up, I mean, there's no time like the present to get him a full, like almost two weeks of reps with the first team. Yeah, it's not a great matchup, but I mean, I just how the schedule falls with the bye, I, I don't fault it. I, I I don't fault it either. I like where I I think the move was eventually going to become what it's going to be. Yep. With it, and it makes the most amount of sense. We. Fitzpatrick went into this job understanding that I'm going to play X amount of weeks mm-hmm. until they turn it over to Tua. I'm going to mentor this kid. I'm going to do his piece. There's rumors now that Fitzmagic is going to get traded somewhere where he's going to fucking dominate, whether it's Dallas or, or Chicago or anything like this. Like, there's any of these different rumors that we hear around this. 
you can't take anything away from what Fitzpatrick's done for the first couple weeks. He's gone three and three with with putting it all together, and he's been nothing less short of consistent. Is I think the word that I'll use. He has, but I think um, this was. I mean. I, I'm not going to say that this game was the reason why, but he definitely was a little shaky against the Jets. I mean, the two interceptions and just seeing the highlights on the red zone. I mean, he... Yeah, I mean, they still won 24 fucking nothing. They did, but the I think it's because they played the Jets. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. He definitely didn't have his best performance of the season this last week. Not saying that's why he got benched, but I think it was probably... I mean, we'll see if the practice rumors are true, and I'm curious to see how Tua comes out and... You know, does against the Rams, and how do you think this does for the team around him? You know, Devontae Parker. Um, you got to figure everybody takes a lift. You think? I, I I think so. Whether it's the running game in Miles Gaskin, mm-hmm. um, or if we go into you know Parker, Parker Williams, Preston Williams, Gasicki, Mike Gasicki, mm-hmm. with it, I think all these guys get a little bit of an uptick. I'm not saying that. That so do you Ryan think Fitzpatrick is shitty with this? But Tua opens up your offense more than I think Ryan Fitzpatrick does. Okay. So, I mean, do you expect Tua to outperform Fitzpatrick then? I think if Tua does not do well this in week eight, I think when we move into Cardinals, Chargers, Denver, then he plays the Jets in 12, Cincinnati in 13, mm-hmm. we really, really shine with that. And I think this is where Tua shows signs of life. It makes Dolphins fans get excited for what's to come with it. Um but I want to see a little bit. I want to see how he adapts and plays to the NFL style of pace. All right. And you kind of mentioned with Fitzpatrick, you know, potentially being traded. I mean, do you, do you think that happens, or do you think Fitzpatrick's just going to be with the Dolphins for the rest of the year and be the cheerleader that? I think he becomes the mentor and the the Gandalf of <laughs> of the Miami Dolphins. I don't think they move him. I think they keep him for life's oh shit moments yep um i think it's a great guy to learn from this is to me ryan fitzpatrick is a better version of mark sanchez just very educational gives the ability the insight the promise to it because mark sanchez was a quarterback whisperer for some of those pieces that that went with it with with dak and everything Mm -hmm. um you got to figure that this is this is a good thing for ryan fitzpatrick stay on make a bunch of money give your knowledge to a young kid and heaven forbid something bad happens you're right back where you started yeah, fair enough now we'll piggyback off Fitzpatrick you know Jerry's been shopping Fitzpatrick for probably the last month I mean yep did every, every do week you think group me or not in the group me but in the in the discord yep did he overplay his hand you know was he right to maybe stand firm do you have any immediate thoughts on you know how this whole situation played out from for Jerry's perspective. It's so hard to tell without knowing what Jerry's asking price was. Yep. Um, I don't know, man. It's one of those ones where everybody knows that this is a short-term deal. Mm-hmm. And if Jerry's trying to maximize the fact that, hey, Fitzpatrick is playing well, this is going to continue to ride, they're dumb to put Tua in, you've got at least two weeks, three weeks, X, Y, and Z, you kind of try and capitalize as it is. Does Jerry burn assets? Maybe with it, but you have no way of knowing this with yeah. this. And this is, heaven forbid – Again, you know, doing whatever, playing to the to the to the seven gods or the old gods and new gods, whichever way you want to go. If Aaron Donald wrecks fucking Ryan or wrecks Tua, with that sorry, I'm on. I didn't mean to say that. Um, 
all of a sudden Ryan Fitzpatrick is back in play very heavily, and I think Jerry Sass price goes up. Yeah, but I mean, knows? absolutely, of course. If an injury happens, I mean, Fitzpatrick's yep. back to being the guy, and, and we'll know he's maybe for long term. I, I mean, I guess I'm curious for you. Like, we've seen this conversation come up in the league um, a lot. Um, we saw it a lot last year with Sam, and that's kind of the argument of, you know, what a what is a player worth? And if a player has, you know, a certain value, um, you know, if you and I say, you know, Tua, he's worth three first-round draft picks. Just randomly pulling that yep. out of my ass. But no one's going to pay three first-round draft picks. Is Does that mean that his value is actually three first-round draft picks? Or it's something less than that because no one will – it'll and it's whatever people will pay. I think this went back to the conversation that I took a lot of shit for last year, mm-hmm. which is your perceived value, your actual value, and what the value is from everybody else. With it where the actual value is the combination of where you view him in the most ideal sense versus yep. where everybody views him in the shitty sense Yep. with it. And that's kind of that, that actual value piece in. So Jerry might be saying, you know what, this guy's playing. He's a starter. Yep, you're only going to get a little bit. I'm going to take a second. Everybody's looking at this saying, nope, man, not a fucking shot in hell. I've got two weeks left. It's not even worth a fourth. So maybe we play in that third-round pick to it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, everybody views these pieces differently. Nobody's really 100% sure where they're going to come down at or how they're going to play out. So it's it's very much a opinion-based thing, which everything is in life. With it, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got them, and they all fucking suck mm-hmm. or smell or, you know, take it in the ass, however you want to look at it with it. Um, but who knows? I Do mean, you think is there, like you mentioned those three points, the perceived um... actual and, and what they're perception the actual value what other players feel they are yes do you think for like you know does should everyone is it just kind of like dealer's choice you know like everyone can kind of take those three things and decide how they want to do it if they're gonna keep the perceived value from them themselves um and you know just clearly stick to their guns with that do you think every team has the right to do that or do you think like maybe a rebuilding team should you know air to the side of how everyone else views it and just sell to get something? Or do you think, like, you know, on the flip side, you know, a team that's contending, they should go with the perceived value because they're more win now and whatever? I think the perceived value is where everybody always feels the most comfortable with. Yep. And that's just because that's your own inner workings, your feelings, and everything that goes with it. 95% of the time, your perceived value is overplayed by a couple measures and it's the hardest thing in the world to get rid of because you think you're dumping your shit off and this is where having your resources having your pieces taking a look at other pieces help you decide is my perceived value that far from absolute zero because i think an even trade is at absolute zero mark where it's a win-win for both sides neither team gets shitty neither team gets better with it because of the assets they acquire in trade or both team gets better but it's by the same margin I think that's where absolute zero comes in. And it's how far removed from that absolute zero between perceived value where you're winning the other team's losing versus what the other person views as correct value in in their perceived value. You shift off of absolute zero that way. And it's I think it just depends on where you're at. And I know it's not a it's a it's a bullshit ring ring around answer that I gave you, but it's so hard to determine. It really is. Yeah, I mean it's definitely, you know, tough. 
I, I don't really know the answer to it because I think there's definitely like some, you know, game theory, like approach you can take. Like, you know, if you're Jerry and you're rebuilding, you know, do you take kind of the approach Sam did, which is I'm just going to get anything for a player. And if I'm Ron, you know, he sold low on Teddy Bridgewater. He sold low on Tyler Higby. And those moves have maybe come back to, you know, in retrospect, you're annoyed. But on the flip side, you know, a lot of other deals, most of them worked out for him. You know, is is that the, I don't want to say the right approach, but. Um, it's the, it's an approach. It is an approach. Um, but is there, on the flip side, you know, does Jerry kind of having this hard stance, you know, knowing what a guy's worth, you know, knowing that in his mind, let's say Fitzpatrick's worth a first round draft pick. I don't know. Let's say it is, you know, maybe that helps him down the line when, you know, he's trying to do a trade or for a different guy. Cause you know, you build up a reputation. So if you know that some player is just going to take any deal and another player is going to be hard nosed and well, this is what it is. Take it or leave it. And maybe that helps him in negotiations down the road. I don't know. It's an interesting, like kind of just game theory and like how you approach, um, you know, a poker, like bluffing, like tell situation. And I don't know. I'm kind of fascinated by that. I think the last thing I'll say on this topic as we get ready to move on is going to be, does the rest of how everybody determines and the moves made prior impact that perceived value? And if you watch a player that's of the same caliber, go for pennies on the, on the dollar, does that mean that you're going to be shaving things off of this or, if you're looking at this saying, if you're the guy on the other end saying, hey, these guys aren't paying enough, I'm going to hold people to value. And if I get burned by it, so fucking be it. You know, it, it's it's hard to say. And it's where do you hold your guns? How many bullets do you have in the in the chamber to go through and say, hey, if I get a six-shooter with four of them in there, I'm going to pull blanks on two of them. But when those come up, I have to live with it. Fair enough. I, I feel like we've we've made the situation murkier but it's it's an interesting topic and i don't think there's a right or wrong approach to have for anyone here um jerry you know he he might not have even missed out you know like you said things can change in the future fitzpatrick um the man just continues to play and do well and who knows maybe next year he'll have a starting job for you know the washington football team who knows i think it's the beard and the deep cut v button-ups the man's (laughs) just a legend that he is. Um, all right, let's move on to buy or sell. And for this buy or sell segment, we are going to go over um, eight players that have kind of come out of nowhere. Like from, there's one rookie on the list, but most of these players I think have come out of obscurity. And I think people would be maybe surprised with how they're doing. Um, so let's just start things off. We're going to talk about the first player on the list. And we're going to talk about stick with the Dolphins and talk about Miles Gaskin. Um, at this point, Miles Gaskin is. Um, let me see if I can find the standings for him. Do, Looks do, like he's do. ranked 16. So I think that's where it puts him. Yes, that is correct. 16. So right now he's you know RB 16. Um, he was just picked up on the waivers by Adam about a month ago. Um, how do you view him in the short term, you know, for this season? And do you think he has long-term value? 
Okay, so I'm going to look at this. I'll look at this a couple things. So for the mm-hmm. short term, I'm going to look at a couple factors. Yep. Who does he play in the playoffs? Okay. And does he have any really, really juicy matchups coming up? So Miles Gaskin, Week 14, Kansas City. Week 15, New England. Week 16, the Las Vegas Raiders. Not the most ideal when we're talking about a playoff push with it. Um, New England plays everybody tough. Kansas City's pretty vulnerable depending on which day they get it. And Vegas typically plays everybody tough with that. So not a great piece over overall. But he plays the Jets throughout the week. He's got Cincinnati with part of it. Um, I think the fact that Tua changes at quarterback gives him more upside mm-hmm. as young quarterbacks need to rely on their running game to be able to deal with it. Short term, I really like Miles Gaskin. Is Miles Gaskin the turn the the piece long term where they're going to get it now? They're three and three right now. Yep. If they suck the rest of the year, this makes really good sense to grab a top tier running back or potentially build the offensive line or the defensive line around it. Gaskin's shown pieces where he's been great: forty yards, forty six yards, sixty six, forty, fifty seven. Big week against Jets at ninety one. Obviously, that's just all it is. Mm-hmm. Got a touchdown against San Francisco. Uh, this is probably the one that on our entire list I'm the most in between about. With it, I'm going to buy short-term Miles Gaskin and sell him long-term. Yeah, I'm with you on the short-term. I think, um, you know, he's he's getting a ton of work and he's, you know, kind of approaching Belkoff status. Um, the thing, the, Another thing I like about him is this is his receptions for each week's uh, four six five three five and four that's pretty consistent work for any running back um but especially you know someone that's getting over a 60 percent snap share um he's just all around you know integral in their offense the one interesting thing and i think it maybe could be a reflection for the long-term value um you know they brought in jordan howard and traded for matt Breida. neither of them worked out there were rumors that they were one of the final teams making a push for Le'Veon Bell. Um, so is that a testament that they just wanted to upgrade at the, the position? They wanted more depth at the position? Um, and truthfully, I don't know. I would probably lean that I don't think he's the answer long term, but he is in the second year. And I know Flores has raved about him in public. And, you know, on the field he's produced. So... I think if you're Adam, you got to be feeling pretty confident about this guy. You got him for nothing, and he's going to be great this year. And I think he's got a shot, you know, to be a guy next year because I don't. The Dolphins, I think, have kind of shown that they're, I don't know, like more new age with this stuff. And I don't know if they're going to be eager to get a running back when they already have one that seems viable. I'm right there with you. All right, let's stick with running backs, and we're going to talk about the only rookie on the list, and, I mean, the biggest surprise maybe of all the rookies outside of Justin Jefferson, and that's going to be James Robinson. At this point, James Robinson is still RB7. He scored over 100 points. He is continued to be involved in the the game. Um, He, like Gaskin, is getting work in the receiving game, which is a surprise. I mean, it really elevates your floor outside of that week one. He's averaging about five receptions a game, which is great. Um, The rushing yards are, you know, there. I mean, this isn't a great offense, but he's involved, and he's definitely the the lead ball carrier. Um, How do you feel about Robinson for the short term, and do you think he has a role long term? Yeah, I think from 
from what you've seen him put up through the first couple weeks, outside of this last week against Detroit, where 29 rushing yards is fucking atrocious. Yeah, he picks up 24 receiving yards. He puts in a receiving score touchdown to save his his week. Mm-hmm. Um, so playoff-wise, Tennessee at Baltimore, home against Chicago. It's not great. Ugh, that's fucking atrocious. From a short-term perspective, you don't like what he's going to put up the rest of this year. His best matchup for the remaining weeks, I'm going to say, is going to be Week 12 at home against Cleveland, who's been kind of a sponge to the running game with it. Maybe at the Chargers this coming week in Week 7, but I'm not going to buy him the rest of the other pieces, and that's a really hard spot for a team that you just said doesn't have the greatest offense. And if they're down, he's not going to be the guy getting the snap share because they might see him as a long-term running back. Mm-hmm. With that, and he he does great in the receiving game. Is very versatile in that aspect. But if they can't keep it close, he's not going to get the lion's share that we really really hope to expect. But then again, they don't really have anybody else. With it, um, Raquel Armstead. I'm not 100 percent sure if he's alive or dead off the COVID list. There's no, no one zero reports for any part of him with anything. He must have the worst string of COVID I've ever experienced for somebody that's <laughs> never had COVID or beat it in five minutes. With it, I don't really know. Um, yeah, there hasn't been a lot of updates. Apparently, um, Exigbo has returned to practice, and it sounds like I believe that was last week. So he could be back maybe post by, um, which would be week nine. So that would be maybe the first, I don't want to say quote unquote challenge, I guess, for Robinson and how the, the team views him. So long term value, though, from what they've seen, you've got to be encouraged by what they put forward. Mm-hmm. I think this guy produces in the same clip where you would expect maybe an Alexander Madison to produce if he's given a full-time starting role. Um, I have those guys kind of on the same field given the same opportunities with part of it. And understand, yes, I say that because I just traded for Alexander Madison as a short-term piece, but I also see long-term effects with this. James Robinson is in a situation where he gets to showcase it right off the bat Mm -hmm. with it, and you hope that this is going to be the key for it. So do I think James Robinson is the answer for Jacksonville? Yes but they need a couple other weapons to make James Robinson, James Robinson a really viable, expressive option in this offense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic with the rest of the season. I think the Chargers are going to suck, but I really like Houston and Green Bay out of the bye. Pittsburgh obviously isn't great, but then Cleveland, Minnesota, and Tennessee, I think are all very attackable. Um, week 15 and week 16, though, against Baltimore and Chicago isn't great, but I think, at least prior to the playoffs, I think he's going to be rock solid. Um, next year, I mean, the Dolphin or the Jaguars just moved on from the fourth overall pick in Leonard Fournette. I can't imagine that they would ever consider taking a running back that high. Um, I don't think they're going to be very eager to replace James Robinson. Um, so I think definitely long term he has um, a viability and could be the guy. Do I think he's going to be a top 10 running back long term? Probably not, but I think he's shown that he can definitely, you know, get to that level and be involved at that level. So, you know, Sam, I think, has to be feeling great. This is a guy he picked up, you know, from the waivers, you know, prior to the season. And you're playing with house money at this point if you're Sam. 100%. All right, let's keep it rolling with the last running back on the list. And we are going to talk about Mr. Ronald Jones, uh, running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Ronald Jones, how are you feeling about him short and long-term, Dan? 
So short-term-wise, Ronald Jones is in a very tough situation with Leonard Fournette. I mm-hmm. mean, we just talked about the fact that, they can, that the Jaguars moved on to him, and the Buccaneers are trying to make this part of the future with some of these things. And it makes you very nervous about the Ronald Jones bulk share of the load. Now, Ronald Jones had a fantastic week against Green Bay where Green Bay just got fucking dominated out the ass by Tampa Bay and everything that goes on there. Running back 13 on the year. A lot of juicy matchups coming coming back here. They've got the Giants, Kansas City, um, some good pieces there. Playoff weeks, home against Minnesota, at Atlanta, at Detroit. Now, Detroit just shut the fuck down out of um, Miles Gaskin. Or, no, I'm sorry. James Robinson. Yeah, James Robinson. And Atlanta shut down Madison. Yep, but Atlanta's been poor. So this is very where this gets very interesting about which offense you're going to pick. Short-term-wise, I don't feel good with the fact that this is a team that just picked up Fournette for a reason. Long-term-wise, I also don't feel good with this is a team that picked up Leonard Fournette for a reason. Ronald Jones has shown signs where he can be extremely explosive, having the last three consecutive weeks over 100 yards in offense mm-hmm. with it. So you have to feel encouraging about what you see out of him. But the fact that Leonard Fournette there makes me want to sell every aspect of this piece. Yeah, it's definitely very intriguing. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, they signed Leonard Fournette. There were rumors that they were interested in Le'Veon Bell. Um, they brought in Shady McCoy. Um, oh, I forgot about McCoy. Yeah, I mean, he's still there. But it's but you kind of hit the nail on the head. These last three weeks, he's averaged over 100 yards. Um, he's getting like crap ton of work like over 20 touches a game um you know right now ronald jones is fifth in the nfl in rushing like fifth in the nfl in rushing um i mean i'm with you like you just you got to think logic like for whatever reason you know bruce arians seems like he just doesn't believe in ronald jones but maybe ronald jones is gonna force his hand um if you're Stefan, I mean, you're a contender. You, you can't move him because you need running back help. I mean, we just talked about how desperate he is with Kamara and Abai and Chubb injured and Melvin Gordon's out being a twat. So, I mean, <laughs> what's he going to do? Um, you just got to ride it out. I mean, long term, I'm with you. You can't feel great, but... <sighs> He's giving you all the reason to feel hope. Exactly, yeah. And, and I mean, we'll see. kind of hope, too. Now, maybe this is just a situation with Tom Brady, you know, and how he kind of treats the offense. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's – I I don't – I mean, I Stefan's just got to ride it out. I can't imagine you're going to get fair value from him from anyone else um, or why you would even want to try to do that. Maybe if you think if you think you can sell high, um, you can package him, try to get like a – I don't know. I don't even know who you would target. Like maybe Kenyon Drake. Maybe Adam wants out out of that ride, and you could do something for that. And you just you do a swap of two players thinking that they don't believe in their running back, but the other one really does believe in their running back. So I don't know, but that's he's an odd one. Yeah, that's a that's a very unique situation there, especially when we look short term versus long term. Ronald Jones is all a talent. It's is that talent going to be utilized in South Beach? I don't know, and oh, we don't know. Wrong sport. <laughs> All right, let's move on and let's talk about some wide receivers. And the first one we're going to talk about is going to be Mr. Robbie Anderson. Um, a lot of people, I think, were and still are, you know, love a guy like uh, DJ Moore. But DJ Moore has not been the most impressive run or wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. It's been Robbie Anderson, who right now is six in scoring for wide receivers. 
I'm in total scoring. And, I mean, he just, he's a weapon, and he's seen a lot of production when he's on the field. Um, how, how do you feel about him in the short term and long term? So, short term, I just want to tell you. So, this was the first time DJ Moore out-targeted Robbie Anderson since week two. Mm-hmm. So, four straight, three straight weeks of where Robbie Anderson's had the bulk of all this. Wide receiver six on the year with it, and he's been showing amazing pieces of it. Now, just like with everybody else, championship weeks, home against Denver, in Green Bay, in Washington. So, fun fact, do you know who's given up the least amount of receiving yards to wide receivers? It's actually Washington. I didn't know that. They've been sneaky decent. So fucking good with part of it. Does that make you nervous with the fact that he's got to play for you for potentially for championship week? You don't feel good. But during the regular season, week eight, he plays Atlanta. Outstanding matchup. Mm-hmm. Detroit is 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 a good matchup in in my opinion with some of this. Yeah, there's Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota for the bye, that's been, been rock solid. Yeah, a lot of interesting pieces, and and Carolina is a very interesting piece. They buy in week thirteen, which means going into your playoff weeks, you get a team that's coming out of a buy that's fresh. Yeah, that's a good point. You gotta feel pretty good about part of that. I'd like to buy Robbie Anderson for the short term. And let me buy Robbie Anderson very much long-term with this. Robbie Anderson has shown amazing pieces playing with the Jets offense and now into a well-vamped, revamped Carolina offense. I like what this is doing. Matt Rule is fantastic in this offense with it. Yeah, they take a bad beat to Chicago and everything like this. Mm-hmm. I'm not ruling them out of, of giving New Orleans a run. I think they're going to beat the shit of Atlanta on Thursday night on a short week. Okay. With it, I, I really, really, really like this offense. I'm not saying that because I'm a Christian McCaffrey owner and I own Mike Davis as well. This offense is fucking dirty good. I like Robbie Anderson. No, I definitely – I'm with you. I like him short-term and I like him long-term. I think, you know, Matt Roll, you know, if you've watched any Carolina Panther game, they talk so about how – A couple podcasts. Both of that too. But they've been – you know, that was – Matt Roll was Robbie Anderson's college coach. Um, he targeted him in free agency, his first big move, and – Right now, he's producing very well. Um, I'm curious, do you think, is Robbie Anderson, like, their clear number one? Or how do you think DJ Moore fits into the picture? DJ Moore is always going to play into a target share piece with him. Mm-hmm. Does that offense have a clear number one? No. Do you need a clear number one in that offense? Yes, it's Christian McCaffrey. Outside of that, everybody else is basically vying for share and they understand their role players in that offense that they don't have to be the number one week over week they take care of their shit that's a very Mm -hmm. selfless offense i think they're okay i really do robbie anderson and dj moore and christian mccaffrey with a sprinkling of ian thomas and all this stuff and mike davis is going to find his way into making the lion's share of christian mccaffrey go down which sucks balls for for the owner that that has him Mm -hmm. this offense is looking good and at the end of the day, you're going to have weeks where Robbie Anderson's the man, and then Robbie Anderson doesn't exist in some of that pieces. Now, Robbie Anderson's always going to exist. He's too important not to target. But I don't think I mean, for the first six weeks, he's been a model of consistency. Yep, he's never correct. gotten under 10 points. Yep. Um, he's had some boom weeks, but he's he's gotten he's been very solid. And I tell you what, I look at this. If I can get anywhere between 10 to 15 points out of a wide receiver every single week, that's a win. 100% oh, absolutely. A win every single week. I'm all in. Especially and if that's all he's going to do, let, let me, I'll take it. Whoever's got him, let's sign him my way. 
especially like this Robbie Anderson is someone that, you know, for Kevin's team and for any team, if you're in a different league, if you have Robbie Anderson, you weren't planning on him being your wide receiver one, two, or probably even three. Like he's probably your wide receiver four going into the season. And he's vastly outperforming those expectations. So Kevin has to be feeling great what he's getting from Robbie Anderson. On the flip side, he also has DJ Moore, and he has to be maybe slightly discouraged because I bet you he expected bigger things from him. He's also the guy sitting in the corner jerking off the pictures of Calvin Ridley. So let's just, <laughs> let's just leave Kevin alone. And there's the Kevin shot. Kevin, drink. Take it every now and then. <laughs> All right, let's talk about another wide receiver. And would you be interested to hear about a wide receiver for the last three weeks? He's gotten over what 14 fantasy points he plays for the denver broncos and his name isn't jerry judy nope it's tim patrick um and yeah against tampa bay he put up 14.3 points against the jets 23.3 points and just against new england out of the bye puts up 14.1 points um he's dominating targets he's seen a great um, amount of the snaps but you know there's a caveat Cortland sutton's out for the year and no offense, been injured the last few weeks. Is this fool's gold with Tim Patrick, or maybe something to buy long term? Thank you for stealing my thunder. <laughs> no Cortland Sutton. Yep. No Noah Fant. Buy me Tim Patrick short term. Please sell me Tim Patrick long term, unless he ends up on another offense. I was just going to, well, before we talk about that, um, so do you think when Noah Fant comes back, is he irrelevant? Okay. With it, I just that offense is. I was very high on that when Drew Lock was was being there. Drew Lock and Noah Fant has proven to be a very idolized, important thing in that offense. With it, mm-hmm. um, you can't ignore the fact that Jerry Judy plays out there. Cortland Sutton's obviously is going to come back not this year, but early on. So this year, Tim Patrick has relevancy. Yep. Going forward, unless he finds a different offense, it's not going to happen. It's absolutely not going to happen. Week 14 at Carolina. Week 15 home against Buffalo. Week 16 at the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I'll buy maybe one and a half of those. Carolina, you can flip me as a toss-up. Buffalo, I don't think, is a very good matchup. Chargers, I think, are a good matchup. Um, Hard to argue against 101 and 113 receiving yards. Week 6 and 4, respectively, with it. Um, Kansas City... The schedule sucks. I'll save you time. I mean, Atlanta. Atlanta is the best matchup. They have a mm-hmm. Miami's a tough matchup, even though how, how rough Miami is. Twice against Kansas City is not good. It's no. I am not buying Tim Patrick in general, whether it's short term or long term. I'm with you, but the caveat: he's going to be a free agent next year. Yes. Um, Denver just invested heavily in Jerry Judy. Yep. They prior year Noah Fant. Yep. KJ Hamler. Yep. Albert O. He's gone. Uh, you know, he's he's clearly not going to be back. Um, do you think he could go to maybe a different team? And I'm not going to say be like a top 20 or maybe even top 30. I think, I think there's two teams off the top of my head that, that Tim Patrick could go to and be super fantasy relevant. Let's hear him. The Philadelphia Eagles. Anyone could be there. Correct. 100% anybody could be there. And the uh, Washington Redskins. I agree. The football team, I think... Oh, yeah, sorry. The Washington football team. Hashtag, I support Native Americans. Absolutely. Um, No, but I'm kind of with you. I think he could be a sneaky 
you know, player. Um, maybe in like Tyrell Williams. Like remember when he signed that big deal with the Oakland? Well, yeah. the then Oakland that's a, Raiders. That's a really good one. Yeah. Um, and go to a team like Washington was actually the one I had in my mind. Like he'd be opposite of Terry McLaurin. You know, maybe with Kyle Allen, a rookie quarterback, trade for a quarterback. I don't know, but I could definitely see Tim Patrick going there and being sneaky decent mm-hmm. um and for chris that you know that this could Not be bad. a scratch off lottery ticket that could pay off next year but i'm with you i, I think it's fool's gold in the short term yep. yep all right let's continue with another wide receiver and it's for those philadelphia eagles uh travis fulgham has come out of nowhere since san francisco and he's been peppered with targets uh that first week against San Francisco, he got three targets, but these last two weeks, he's had 23 targets, 16 receptions, over 225 receiving yards. He's had a touchdown all three weeks. Is Travis Fulgham someone to buy short-term and maybe even long-term? Man, so Travis Fulgham at this moment is wide receiver 35. Travis Fulgham up to week three has played zero, has had zero fantasy relevancy. He didn't, yeah, he did nothing. Literally nothing. Four, five, and six, he had absolute fantasy relevancy with putting up points. Mm-hmm. Week 14, home against New Orleans. Week 15, at Arizona. Week 16, at Dallas. Wow. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but do you know who is the shittiest conference in the entire NFL? I believe it's the NFC East, but maybe NFC I'm crazy. East where the fucking Philadelphia Eagles reside. So you've got to feel good that Travis Fulgham is going to give you some absolute talent coming through here with the fact that they've got to play the Giants, the Giants this week mm-hmm. or this year. The Cowboys, they play twice. Yep. They have a Giants game. They have a Cleveland game. Seattle, who's actually – Is garbage. But, yeah, atrocious against the pass. This is juicy for Travis Fulgham. I'm going to buy him short term. I think Travis Fulgham I don't think has a job many years after – after this year yeah i mean the only thing I, i'm with you short term and i obviously own travis bulgum so uh Fingers put up crossed, the here's open yeah put up the bias like meters because not i'm clearly week, not this week but i mean for the last like three years it feels like philadelphia has been looking for like a wide receiver that they can trust mm-hmm. and outside of like alshon jeffrey and like zach Ertz, when they've been healthy they just don't have those guys they tried to draft J.J. Arcega-Whiteside last year, and he's a bust. Jalen Rieger, I'm not going to say he's a bust. He's been injured, but they just they brought in like free agents. Like They've all just flamed out, and Fulgham seems like the first guy that you know, Wentz raves about him. He loves him in practice. I mean, he was saying that, um, I believe, before even the, the Niners game where he broke out. I'm not saying that he's going to be a stud, but I think he could maybe have staying power. For this Philadelphia team, just because it is so wide open, um, we'll see what happens with Zach Ertz. But he's injured. I mean, yep, who knows? Three, maybe three they trade weeks. him. Yeah. I mean, Dallas Godert and Miles Sanders clearly like that is long term for them. Jalen Rieger, they hope, but after that, who? And yeah. we don't even know if Rieger's the guy. So I'm optimistic with Fulgham. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean. It's encouraging, but I just, I guess I don't buy it. Okay. And that, that could be from the narcissistic fact that Philadelphia hasn't had a really, really good wide receiver since. T.O.? Yeah. Alshon Jeffrey, Alshon probably. Je- when they... Alshon Jeffrey, I'll give credit to, but yeah, T.O. prior to that, 100%. Yeah. 
yeah so yeah it's something to watch um but i'm glad i got fulgum yep. all right let's talk about the first and only titan on the list yep. robert tunyon uh baby kittle as they call him he's well i mean let's just look he didn't do great this week against tampa but spoiler alert no one for green bay did good he did nothing week one but i mean you saw him against detroit put up 10 points well this isn't even in tight end premium scoring put up over 10 points put up over 16 points and then of course you know the scoring output that everyone's like oh my god against atlanta put up over 33 points um with all that added, I mean, when you add all that up for tight ends, he's in our league up to uh, tight end seven, yep. which is very, very high. Very respectable. Um, how do you feel about Tunyon for the short term? And, I mean, does he have a long-term role for the Green Bay Packers? I think of all the players outside of Miles Gaskin, this was a guy I was very most intrigued about. Okay. Um, Green Bay's been a been a group that has no weapons typically and Stefan I know you'll kill me for this because you're a diehard Packers fan Zane I think you are too um their front office as far as investing into offensive pieces suck nuts and I think it's a nice way of of saying things now obviously Devontae Adams is amazing best factor for that thank you he's back off of injury he's on my roster it looks okay um but it hasn't been great so Playoff week at Detroit, home against Carolina, home against Tennessee. The Tennessee game you don't really feel good about. And mm-hmm. Tennessee has been surprising on both offensive and defensive side of the ball. Carolina's a toss-up. Detroit's a toss-up. They've got a couple of juicy matchups here with, um, you know, playing with Houston, playing with Indi- or playing with Jacksonville. Tough matchup against Indianapolis. I. It's really tough. Aaron Rodgers very much likes guys that he can trust and he can play with. And that's very important to Aaron Rodgers in the offense. 25 yards against Tampa Bay, which really sucked. Mm -hmm. I think the true factor becomes against Houston. If Tanyan can pull down, I'm going to say 60 yards and a touchdown, this guy's a buy short term for the rest of the year. If it doesn't happen against Houston, it's not going to happen at all the rest of the year. Long-term-wise, they have Jay Sternberger – Nobody knows what's really going to happen for some of the other pieces with it. He's shown that he has the ability to make big plays. I'm gonna, I, I'm very wavery about the long-term aspect of what Robert Tanya can bring to this Green Bay offense. Yeah, I mean it's it's so tough because his biggest game was against Atlanta and Devontae Adams was out, um, and you know he only got. I mean, only, but he just got six receptions and 98 yards. He's propped up by those three touchdowns. I don't know. I mean, you're right. Aaron Rodgers, like, relies on, you know, trust with his wide receivers. I mean, that's why Devontae Adams is peppered with targets because even though he talks up, you know, guys like Marquez Valdez, Scantling, you know, Robert Tunney now, Jimmy Graham when he was there, um, I'm probably forgetting. I don't even know who else is there. I mean, Alan Lazard, um, when Adams is out and healthy, Adams is getting peppered with 12-plus targets a game. And they're also, I mean, they still can pass the ball, but Matt LaFleur wants to run it as well, um, and he wants to run it a lot. I don't know what to expect with Tunyon, truthfully. Um, I think if you're a man, you're kind of in a tricky spot because he could be a long-term answer, 
And, you know, we know what Adams is. And if Tanyan can fill in and be that, you know, reliable second option, he's going to have a lot of value. But he might not be. Um, No one really knew or had any idea that I think he could be this guy. Everyone thought it was going to be Jay Sternberger. There was hype for that. And that clearly did not pan out. But Jay Sternberger is also in his second year and Titans can take a little bit to develop. So who's to say that he's completely out of the picture? My question for you is, Armand has this guy. So short term, he doesn't give a shit. If it was up to him, he would prefer that Tanyan does nothing. But do you think should Armand roll the dice for the future or try to get some value right now? I think you're 50-50. I don't hey, think... Nope, you got to pick. <sighs> I really hate this shit. Um, well played to you for putting me in the corner. Yep, you got to am... pick if you're Armand. Yep. Do you keep you him for the future? S- nope, you sell him right now with the three touchdown week. If he has a good week against Houston, you move him immediately. Don't take your chances to fucking sell the shit out of this bitch. If he sucks... Ride the pony with it. But if he puts it up, get rid of his ass so fast because you're not going to be able to ever make up his ground. Normally, I agree with that. But I think for Armand, I think you keep him just because what exactly can you get for him? A third-round pick, best case? I don't know if anyone's going to give you a second-rounder. And when you look at Armand's draft pick situation, he is like littered with third- and fourth-round draft picks. Next year, he has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven picks in the third and fourth round. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to say third round picks are useless, but like when you already have that many, I'd rather roll the dice that Tanyan figures it out. Team, I'd rather pick, I'd rather encompass one of those thirds with Tanyan and move up into a second. All right. I'll say keep him, see what happens, but I wouldn't fault him if you sold him. This is where lines in the sand are drawn. Last player. Last player, the only quarterback, and they've become kind of a a favorite outside of shitting on Kevin, and that's the Carolina Panthers. And we're going to talk about Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Matt Rule has shown to live up to his offensive, you know, moniker and be a very skilled um, developer. Joe Brady has continued um, his offensive coordinating skills from LSU into the NFL, and he's probably going to be maybe the quarterback or the coach at New York Jets are a very favorite um, to be this new offensive guru for some team. Um, but Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, he obviously didn't do great against Chicago, but spoiler alert, not many players are going to do great against Chicago because their defense is pretty freaking good. Um, outside of this week, he's had two games under 10 points and they might've been against both of the top two defenses in the league. Uh, against Tampa Bay and Chicago, he shit the bed. But outside of that, he's averaged, it looks like, quick napkin math, 40, 60, about 20 points a game. Yep. That's pretty decent. Pretty impressive, yep. For someone that Stefan probably viewed as his third quarterback. Um, if you have him, you probably viewed as third or fourth quarterback. How do you feel about Bridgewater short and long term? Yeah, so I mean, again, so we talked about this a little bit with Robbie Anderson as the piggyback and the stack in this. Week 14 at home against Denver. Week 15 at Green Bay. Week 16 at Washington. Last two weeks you don't feel really good about. Mm-hmm. But every other week you've got to feel good about what Teddy Bridgewater is going to bring out and put on the table. With this, they rely a little bit. Of, they rely a lot on the running game to set up the passing game. And when you have exceptional weapons in the 
I'm going to catch the ball, but I'm not going to be too flashy. And Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Mm -hmm. Ian Thomas, you're going to feel really good about what you have putting together. And I think the part about Teddy Bridgewater that we don't talk about enough is Teddy Bridgewater's legs. And he's not as great as some of the other running quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, as utilizing their legs for part of this. Teddy Bridgewater's no slouch when it comes to rushing for the ball with it, which 26 yards in week one, 12 yards in week two, 32 in week four, three in week five, and 48 against the Bears in week six. Um, Really kind of gives you the benefit of setting him up where you can't leave him isolated and you have to put a spy on him. Mm -hmm. Um, Short-term-wise, playoff-wise this year, I'm not going to buy Bridgewater. It's a really rough last three weeks with it. Long-term, I really like Teddy in this offense. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I actually like him a little bit more in the short term because, I mean, I think that Denver, Green Bay, and Washington um, schedule to close the year. I guarantee you Stefan is going to play him in two of those games if he's in the playoffs and doesn't have a bye. Um, and, yeah, I'm with you. I think long term, I Rule has shown that he's a good, a great, maybe great offensive coach and skilled player or skilled coach in that aspect. Um, how could you not be optimistic about Bridgewater? Do you think... Um, where would you place him, like ballpark, among quarterbacks? Um, let's over under fifteen. QB fifteen. Under between twelve and fifteen. Interesting, and that's like long term. Your view on him? I think it's this year view. I think future year view, depending on some of the weapons that they continue to give him. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's locked up long term with part of that, but I want to see what they do with some of his receiver weapons and what they do with Ian Thomas, because I think Ian Thomas is fantastic in that offense from a blocking perspective as well as knowing his role to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. But if you can give him guys like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and add a third guy like a, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say a Cole Beasley just because I'm all in on Josh <laughs> Allen and the Buffalo offense, with it, that makes him that much more effective. All right, real quick, I just want to run through yep. quarterbacks. Let's play a quick game. You're going to tell me, I'm going to name a quarterback, and you'll say, yeah, or stop, when you think this is where um, Teddy Bridgewater should be. Okay. All right. So, Russell Wilson, nope. Patrick Mahomes, nope. Kyler Murray, nope. Josh Allen, nope. Lamar Jackson, nope. Deshaun Watson, nope. Aaron Rodgers, nope. Ryan Tannehill, no, I'm going to say no just because of the offense that he's in and what he expects to do. Yep. Ben Roethlisberger. I think we're getting closer. Cam Newton. I'm going to draw my line before Cam Newton. Interesting. So just to make real quick the guys after him, uh, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, Drew Brees, Matt Stafford, Justin Herbert, I Carson Wentz. I think a couple of those guys against Cam Newton. That we okay. I would say Tom, so, Brady, Tom Brady eclipses this. Jared Goff eclipses this, and then I would have Cam Newton. Okay, so you have him. That's QB twelve. That's yep. That's I think that's about where I have it. I think you make a couple arguments for a couple more names potentially, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna have him right around that area. I'm a little bit lower on that. Okay. I'd probably have him down in the the high so teens. Fifteen twenties. Yeah, fifteen to twenty. I think. Okay. All right, so that covers the buy and sell, guys. Uh, some 
interesting players that I don't think any of us expected to kind of have the season that they're having, but that's what makes fantasy fun when we see um, guys come out of nowhere. Yeah. All right, okay. let's talk about the matchups of the week. Yeah, we're and we're four minutes, so we better fly through this bitch. <laughs> and we're going to be continuing um, with the interleague matchups this week. And let's talk about the first one, um, Chris versus Armand. Um, Chris has a bye this week, so Chris wins, right? Yep, I think that's 100% exactly where that goes. Uh, sorry, Armand, you just don't put up more than 70 points a week. Well, he's got two now, so he might hit triple digits. Ooh, it might be back nah, on the he's menu. Not, gonna hit triple digits. He's gonna not this he, week, but he might next break week. Seventy. In next week. Some, yeah, not more. Than All 70. right. Let's then move on and talk about Steve and Jerry's matchup. Um, we don't have to devote a lot of time here, um, but the big things to take away is Jerry lost. You know, Fitzpatrick. He's obviously on a bye, but he just doesn't have that quarterback. Um, he's got good wide receivers though. Uh, AJ Brown. Uh, DK Metcalf, you know, maybe Henry Wuggs, T. Higgins. I mean, that's yeah. pretty rock solid. Yep. Um, Steve, though, has to be feeling great. Um, he's finally maybe getting healthy with Michael Thomas, perhaps his best player back. Noah Fant, one of the surprise tight ends back. It, I mean, this is Steve, right? Do we have it's, to devote it's, him? It's always Steve. I mean, to give Jerry some props, I think you hit it. A.J. Brown, Henry Ruggs, uh, LaVisca Chenault, T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Hunter Renfro. Absolutely fan-fucking-tastic wide receiver core. Jerry, Absolutely. If Jerry can build around the other pieces, Jerry in the next two or three years is going to be outstanding. This yep. is Steve 100% all the way. Michael Thomas, Aaron Jones, Kareem Hunt. Tannehill has been outstanding. Juju's been great. Matt Ryan uh, has a rough matchup against Detroit, but it doesn't matter. Uh, David Johnson, yeah, I, yep, sign me up for Steve. Okay. Uh, next matchup, we have Adam taking on Steve. Sam got the surprise yeah, victory. Sam, yeah, sorry, you said Steve twice, but... Nope, Adam taking on Sam. Sorry. Um, uh, Sam got the surprise victory last week against Chris. Um, Nailbiter for a win. Um, And this week, um, let's look at if there are any noticeable buys that people have. Um, So buys this week, just in case you're wondering, are Colts, Dolphins, Vikings, and Ravens. Okay. So, I mean, for Adam's team, he's obviously down this, you know, Phenomenal rookie in Justin Jefferson. Miles Gaskins on a bye. Uh, Austin Eckler is probably still out. I don't think he's going to be activated this week. Nope. I think, um, and Philip Rivers is on a bye. So we look at a starting lineup. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be starting Andy Dalton. Um, Dalton Schultz looks like the tight end still might be viable. George Kittle, um, Julio Jones, Cars- Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake. I mean, it's all rock solid for Sam's team. You know, Carson Wentz takes on the Giants, Cam Akers in Chicago, Jacksonville against the Chargers. I mean, I don't know. Kind of all over the place. I think Adam is definitely the pick, but I think Sam could maybe make this interesting. I think Adam's the pick as well with it. I think Adam has. He's got Drake in, but he also has Chase Edmonds kind of covering his ass a little bit there. I think Corey Davis might be a start in in this roster for mm-hmm. part of it. Um, when we look over at Sam's side, I mean, obviously not having some of the key pieces with with that. Christian Kirk has been kind of a great guy. Justin or, yeah, Justin Kelly has been fantastic with it. Uh, Debo Claypool has been a arguably fantasy god over the last oh, yeah. couple of weeks with it. 
If it I wasn't for Justin Jefferson and CD, he'd be... Yeah. I think Sam keeps it close, but I think Adam ultimately pulls it out, uh, which puts it a solid 3-0 for the Justice League division here as we move into the upside matchups where the shit really gets fucking interesting. All right, well, let's just talk about our matchup right away. And how about you break down your team and I'll break down mine. Sure, so I'll start quarterback-wise. So I'm going to start – so Minnesota's on a bye, so I can't play Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start – Drew Brees against Carolina, not the best matchup in the world, with it, and Josh Allen against the Jets. I'm just going to stop there and just say that I love that Josh Allen matchup, pending that they don't fucking blow that shit up too early and Josh Allen becomes fantasy relevant uh, too early on. So I, a quarterback situation, I think I've got one I feel super fucking good about and one that mm-hmm. I don't feel the best about. What do you got? Okay, so I've got... Um... No one on a bye, so I have, you know, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. They're actually going up against each other, so I'm hoping that that's a high-scoring game. Um, Deshaun Watson going to sit against the Packers. They've been decent against the pass, um, and after that ass-kicking that they got against Tampa, I'm just going to assume that they're going to put up a good fight. So give me Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and I feel pretty good about, you know, those games. It's hard to argue against part of that, so... Running back-wise, Mike Davis filling in for the injured Chris McCaffrey, playing the Saints in the Dome with that. And then I'm at the moment starting Phillip Lindsay um, at the running back position again with Kansas City, depending that Melvin Gordon potentially is going to be suspended for driving drunk. Um, Davis I feel pretty good about against New Orleans. Phillip mm-hmm. Lindsay, if, if Gordon's out, I feel a lot better. If Gordon's not out, I don't feel good at all. Because when I look at my running back options, Cordero Patterson is not the option. Royce Freeman is definitely not the option, and I have Alexander Madison and Gus Edwards on a bye. And at running back, I'm looking at um, kind of in a little bit of a tricky spot. Uh, Delvin Cook's on a bye. Um, Mostert looks like he's going to be back on or going on IR. Um, so it really leaves me just, I guess, four options. Um, I'm going to definitely be going James Conner against Tennessee. Um, I think that's a solid matchup, and. The third or the second spot, I'm between three guys. I got Boston Scott, um, Daryl Henderson, and Damian Harris. As of right now, I'm leaning Boston Scott with Miles Sanders being out. Um, it's a Thursday night game, and just on principle, I hate Thursday night games because yep. I feel like those games always just suck ass. Um, but right now, I'm leaning Boston Scott, and it's a okay matchup. Denver or the Giants' defense is maybe a little bit better than you'd think, but. I think Scott's probably the best choice out of those three. It, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, wide receiver-wise, so I'm going to start Cole Beasley against the Jets. I'm going to stack the Josh Allen piece to it. Tyler Boyd has been everything outside of spectacular mm-hmm. with it. Uh, Devontae Adams against Houston, you can't go against. And Michael Gallup, who has shown connection with Andy Dalton at a couple of the flex spots here. Um, bench-wise, I have Julian Edelman. He's got a tough matchup against uh, San Francisco. Yep. Uh, Khalif Raymond, who's shown that he's been pretty decent the last couple weeks. Um, can't feel great. I love the Devontae Adams play. Beasley against the Jets, I think it's great. Boyd against Cleveland is outstanding. Uh, and Gallup is a tough matchup against Washington with it. Um, three of those four, I'm going to say, I feel really, really good about. All right. And I've got, um, I'm going with Travis Fulgham. Um, Thursday, another Thursday night game going up against the Giants. Um, that's Carson's go-to target right now, and they're really banged up. I can't imagine backing out of that one. 
Um, Amari Cooper, we mentioned they're tough against the um, the football team's tough against the pass, but Cooper's just too talented, I think, to bench. Um, Robert Woods against Chicago, I don't love that matchup, but again, I just can't bench Robert Woods. Allen Robinson, same thing, going up against Jalen Ramsey and the Rams. I just can't bench him. Um, the only other guy that I'm maybe considering would be Jamison Crowder going against Buffalo. Um, altogether, my wide receivers, I don't love the matchups outside of Travis Fulgham, but I can't justify benching them for the other options. It's I just can't pass it up. Yeah, I think wide receiver-wise are very interesting for both of us. Tight end, starting Austin Hooper against Cincinnati, extremely favorable matchup. And I've got Hayden Hurst in my lineup. I think it's very interesting that when I look at my bench, too, I also have a um, – if Jordan Aikens come back well off a of concussion protocol, he's been nothing less from mildly consistent over the couple weeks that he had with, mm-hmm. um, you know, 39 receptions, 55, 28, 46 before he got knocked the fuck out with it. Um, but I like where I sit a little bit from the the gala, or the the Hurst option against Detroit kind of sucks, but the Hooper matchup is very, very juicy. Um, so I'm going to feel okay going and rolling with Austin Hooper, thinking about potentially the Hayden Hurst replacement. All right. And for tight ends, I'm going to roll with TJ Hawkinson um, against Atlanta. I feel very confident about that matchup. I think that um, Atlanta, it's just going to be a very go-to option for any pass catchers. And I think Hawkinson could have a pretty big game. Uh, Darren Waller, he's... I think at this point, one of the elite tight ends in the game, top five, um, you have to start him when he's available. Um, Going up against Tampa, though, is going to be a tough one. Um, It's Sunday night, um, and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders have really put up um, good efforts against tough teams, so I'm excited to see them play. And Waller, just it's not a great matchup, but I I can't sit him, so he's in the lineup. Yeah, so I think this comes down to if your guys can perform Thursday night and if you get a big performance out of Waller. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that your Thursday night matchup plays the Giants, Yep. I'm going to pick you. The spread's 19 right now in your favor. I think I think you cover the 19 with ease. With it, I'm going to take you in the matchup, hoping that I go one and one in this piece. Oh, I, I disagree. I'm going to go with you. I think um, I just don't love all my matchups. Um, for my wide receivers and even Darren Waller. Um, unless I get something crazy like over 60 points from Russ and Kyler in that matchup, I just I don't feel great. Um, I think your team just overall has a little bit better matchups. And, you know, Cole Beasley, normally I wouldn't feel great, but going up against the Jets, I like that. Um, Austin Hooper wouldn't feel great, but going up against Cincinnati, I like that. And you just you have a few matchups like that that I think uh, the the – projections are maybe undervaluing a little bit. So I'm going to I'm going to give you the edge here. All right. So now that we've shushed the juju on each other, let's move into the juicier pieces to this and let's go with Stefan and Zane. Yep. So you got Brady playing against Vegas, Aaron Rodgers on the other side with who are we starting the there? Bridgewater versus Herbert. I love Justin Herbert. I really do. That kid's looked fucking studly from everything that with it. Uh, McKinnon gets a bump with the fact that Mostert's probably going on IR. Yep. But he plays New England. That's not great. Kamara, Carolina, great matchup. Ronald Jones against Vegas. If Leonard Fournette's not there, this is a great matchup for for Ronald Jones. I think it needs to continue to be. 
Hopkins against Seattle is fantastic. Odell Beckham Jr. really didn't do anything last week, but he played Cincinnati, so you got to feel good. Tyreek Hill, you can never count out against Denver. Cooper Cup has a tough matchup against uh, Chicago. Tight end-wise, Higby against Chicago, not great again. Ingram against Philadelphia Thursday night. I hate Thursday night games, but that's a really juicy, juicy matchup there. Uh, Anthony Miller's been eh for most of it. J.D. McKissick's been eh. If Melvin Gordon is going to play, which I don't think he is, that's okay against Kansas City, but Blockett's good. Greg Ward, I don't know if he still plays football, but we're going to start him either way Thursday night. And then Brandon Cooks. Looking at Zane's, or, uh, yeah, Zane's bench. Zane's bench with it. Um, Not a lot of options. No, there are no options. Now that I Sanders is on a bye. Yep, um, Paris Campbell's on a bye. Van Jefferson uh, hasn't really been fantasy relevant. Dallas Godert's on IR with it. Not great overall. Look at I, this. Think, I think Goddard can return. Um, I don't know if he'll play in this game, but I think he'd be eligible to come back. So that okay. might be the only one to potentially monitor with um, Ertz, obviously. Sounding like it's pretty serious injury. Could be out a month. Three, four um, weeks, yeah. If, if, if Godard does come back, he's definitely going to be viable. Um, Stefan's side, though, you got Jimmy Graham, who's been pretty fantasy relevant with Nick Foles, uh, mm-hmm. playing out of that Philadelphia offense. Uh, moving to Chicago has found love for his tight ends. Cameron Bright, obviously, uh, with O.J. Howard being on IR. Uh, Tyler mm-hmm. Eifert, a lot of great tight end options for Stefan. Golden Tate's been okay. Keelan Cole is touchdown machine when he scores. Josh Reynolds has been eh for most of the most of the year with it. Um, he's got the Fournette piece that plays with it, which you can't feel good about. Goff against Chicago, I understand why you're benching him for part of those things. I like the Bridgewater matchup anyways, as well as the Brady matchup. I'm going to go Stefan here in what at the moment says an upset over Zane, but, I mean, this could be very interesting. Yeah, uh, two things. I, one, I think I was looking at last week's schedule, I, and I said Kamara had a bye. He had a bye last week, not this week. So that, that was my bad. Um, I'm with you. I actually do like Stefan. I think um, for Zane, you know, the biggest issue is kind of his flex spots. Um, it hurts that he has Sanders and Jonathan Taylor on buys this week. Um, because he has to prop up guys like Jerick McKinnon, which isn't bad, and David Montgomery, but those guys aren't normally his, you know, RB1 and RB2. Um, so propping up guys like Anthony Miller and Greg Ward um, aren't great. And Evan Ingram, we haven't really talked about him much because that's that's because he's been a disappointment. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe he can get right against Philadelphia, who has been kind of disappointing. Um, before they go up against Tampa, which is going to be a little bit tougher for him um, and that Giants team. So, yeah, give me Stefan. Um, I, I'm surprised he's actually not favored against these projections. Yeah. So let's move on to matchup of the week. Bum, bum, bum. It is a household affair with Nick Ruth taking on Kevin Ruth. And when we look at those teams, we'll start with Mr. Nick's team. And Nick's going with Gardner Minshew, who's taking on the LA Chargers. It's not great. Uh, Baker Mayfield, are we sure he's playing this week? It's yeah. I think, so he's got a rib injury. I think yep. is what it is. Um, ribs are always very, very interesting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's good to go, it's a very interesting matchup. But then again, if he doesn't, Nick doesn't have another quarterback. 
Yeah, and I mean, they sounded like going into the Steelers game, they were very up in the air if he was going to play, and then they like pulled him midway through. I don't know if that was a mercy pulling or if he just wasn't that healthy, but something to watch, um, especially going up against Cincinnati, where you would hope that you'd be favored to win that without Baker, but who knows. Um, for running backs, Nick's got Joe Mixon going up against Cleveland. Devin Singletary against the Jets. That should be a pretty solid matchup for him. Um, no other running backs really to consider. And then when we go to his wide receivers, Stefan Diggs against the Jets. Uh, Mike Brown, or John, Josh Brown, excuse me. Uh, John Brown, words are hard, against the Jets. Um, Mike Evans against the Raiders. Eric, uh, Kai, wow. I don't know what you I'm doing it. right now. Keep piecing it together. You're good. Choose. No. Keenan Allen against the Jags. I mean, that's a great matchup. And then when we look at tight ends, he's obviously going to be starting Travis Kelsey, uh, best tight end in fantasy right now. Uh, Eric Ebron's an interesting choice. I think the only maybe swap that I see that I would consider if I was Nick, uh, excluding Baker Mayfield, would potentially be James Washington. Um it's a crapshoot, I feel like, outside of James Conner, um, who's going to be like the three reliable pass catchers for the Steelers. Um, but this could be a high-scoring affair. I mean, Tennessee has a great offense. Pittsburgh, obviously, has a great defense. So we'll see what breaks there. But I think Pittsburgh is going to be able to score on Tennessee. So if I was Nick, I would maybe consider rolling with Washington and benching Ebron. But I can't really see many other options that Nick has. So um, I don't think you can bench Washington for Ebron. He's playing Ebron in the tight end slot. Well, he would start Kelsey in the tight end spot. Oh, okay. We're good talk. A for effort. <clears throat> so, I mean, overall, I think Nick's, you know, that's where it's at. Um, when we look at Kevin's team right now, he's going with Matt Stafford against Atlanta, and that is phenomenal. He's got that stack with Kenny Galladay as well. Um, at quarterback, you know, the other option, we have Daniel Jones, who's been extremely disappointing, and that's putting it mildly. Um, but, you know, Philadelphia, that might be a get-right game. It's also a Thursday game, and we could see maybe some potential shenanigans happening. Um, at ru- or running back, we have Derrick Henry against Pittsburgh. It's not a great matchup, but Derrick Henry might be the best running back right now on the planet. Todd Gurley against Detroit, that's okay. Um, Antonio Gibson against, you know, Dallas, you have to feel really confident about that matchup. If you're Kevin, uh, wide receivers, we mentioned Kenny Galladay. I mean, that's great. Kelvin Ridley against Detroit. It's solid. That could be maybe a high scoring game too. Um, we have DJ Moore against new Orleans, which is all right. Robbie Anderson as well. He's going for that combo. It could be an interesting game to watch. Um, playing in uh, new Orleans. It'll be interesting to see how, um, that, uh, Carolina team can do it if they disappoint that obviously is really gonna fuck Kevin up and tight end of course you have Hunter Henry taking on Jacksonville I really like that matchup um anything I miss or that you want to maybe cover so the only thing I would say for maybe Kevin's team is when we look at the fact that Kevin has Devonta Freeman yep is there a way where you find Devonta Freeman in your starting role whether it's in place of DJ Moore or um the other guy. Robbie Anderson? Robbie Anderson. Do you find that he replaces potentially one of the two of them and playing a hunch? Because I don't think he replaced Antonio Gibson against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Do you find a way to put him in 
with the matchup piece, and hopefully you pick one of the two wide receivers that goes off. Yeah, I mean, I I was kind of thinking that as well, maybe Hedgen, but I don't know if I would go with Freeman. What about Mike Williams against Jacksonville? Yeah, Mike Williams is the other piece to it. I think that's Kevin's love child. As mm-hmm. we've I'm actually through. surprised Kevin's not starting him, to be honest. I mean, Kenny Galladay's got a good matchup. He's never going to yeah. match Calvin Ridley with part of nope. it. Nope. It, it um, comes down to those flex Anderson, options. It's, it's a flex option. And Gibson, option. potentially. Yeah, but. potentially, yes. I think Kevin's got a lot more decisions that has mm-hmm. the ability to make him manager of the year, or I fucked up and dropped two points of the yep. year kind of kind of manager. I think more of the pressure relies on Kevin this week. So I'll jump ahead of the gun, and I'll pick before you. I'm going to take Nick Ruth because I think he's got a more cut-and-dry lineup then Kevin does, and Kevin could find a way to fuck this up. Well, we're going opposite again because I'm going to take Kevin. Um, I like Kevin's matchups. Um, or really, I it, I like the uh, well, I like the quarterbacks a little bit better for Kevin. I think Stafford and Galladay going up against Atlanta is just that's a really really positive matchup for for Kevin, and I think we could see some serious points in that game, which is then going to help people like Todd Gurley. And Calvin Ridley. Um, so that's the game to watch for Kevin. If that game doesn't deliver, I think it's going to be difficult for him to win. But uh, I'm going to take Kevin. So I do want to put this out to you as we as we wrap this podcast up at <coughs> 24 minutes. Yep. You have currently 6-0 and Justice League wins. 6-0 and for all of the Justice League. Not a single Avengers win. Interesting. Yep. Justice think, League is superior, apparently. I, uh, I'm going to go with that, but we're not going to. I picked two. I went two and four for, yep, for the Avengers the with Knicks. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got both Knicks with it. So I think this is a very interesting piece to it. But I guess we should see how everything kind of pans out. Yep, it's going to be interesting. This was These podcasts, I feel like, just get longer and longer. Mm-hmm. So thanks for, for sitting through on this one. And good luck this week. And hopefully the COVID odds are... In your favor. Salud, boys. Adios.